sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Breastfeeding into toddlerhood and beyond is a very hot topic these days. Whether you call it full-term breastfeeding or extended breastfeeding, we just call it plain awesome. Today, I'm excited to welcome back to our show our resident full-term breastfeeding expert, Andrea J. Blanco. Andrea is a private practice international board certified lactation consultant in Miami, Florida with Loving Start Lactation Services. Today, we are talking about breastfeeding beyond two years. This is The Boob Group, episode 107. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also the, an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Today, I'm joined by three lovely panelists in this studio. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Melissa Lang Lytle. I'm 43 years old. I'm a birth doula and, I guess birth choices advocate. <laughs> and uh, I have three children, Benjamin, who's five, Joseph, three and a half, and Milo, baby Milo here, who's three months. All right. Thanks, Melissa. My name's Linnell Stanley. I am 25. I am a teacher. I have one little girl, and she is 30 months. Awesome. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Um, I'm Stephanie Paterno. I am 32, and I sell service of building management systems very interesting when it comes to parenthood. Um, <laughs> I have a 30-month-old son and an eight-and-a-half-year-old stepson. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, ladies. And um, MJ, would you like to introduce yourself as our awesome producer as well as the virtual panelist program, please? Yes, I'm MJ. Um, I'm, I think I'm 37. I always have to ask my husband. Um, stay-at-home mom to Jason who is almost three and um, so when I have some spare time I'm trying to help support all the breastfeeding mamas out there and um, our virtual panelist program is a um, pretty awesome way for you if you can't come in studio with us um, to join the conversation we post the same questions as our in-studio panelists are answering so you can share your experiences um, give your opinions or give some tips to other moms and that's what's kind of cool is that moms are really engaging and supporting other moms with tips and advice and um, sometimes just empathy just nice to know that you're not alone um, and we might even read your comment while we record so um, it's um, 
really a sneak preview of our show before it releases because we'll also post tips and information as we record. And um, if you want to check out more about the virtual panelist program, check out the our website, theboogroup.com, under the community tab for more info because there are perks for participation. All right. Thanks, MJ. You're welcome. <coughs> Sounds familiar. <coughs> if your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Here's a question from one of our listeners. This is from Shannon. My daughter is almost six months old. She has been exclusively breastfed. I have been back to work since she was six weeks old. Recently, I have been lucky if I can get an ounce out when I pump. I'm going to be running out of my freezer supply before long. Are there any suggestions for increasing my supply? Because I really don't want to supplement with formula. I know she is getting enough when she nurses, but I need supply for when I'm back at work. Any help would be greatly appreciated. My name is Ashley Treadwell. I'm an international board-certified lactation consultant in San Diego. I work as a private lactation consultant for the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Hi, Shannon. Thanks so much for your question. A lot of moms find that they don't respond to the pump the way they want to. Whether they're back at work uh, full-time or just wanting to pump for an occasional bottle. Um, And it sounds like that's the situation with you is your baby's able to get enough at the breast, but you're only able to pump an ounce when you're away from her. Um, I can give you some tips um, to maximize your pumping sessions. First thing I would have you do is check all of your pump parts to make sure that they're in working order. Um, often moms find that when they are not able to get enough from the pump, it could be that there's a crack or the suction is off. Um, I would check everything and make sure you don't see any cracks. Um, and contact um, an international board certified lactation consultant in your area. Um, they will sometimes have a vacuum gauge that they can use to test the motor and make sure that it's still effective. Um, take a look at where you're pumping and when you're pumping. Um, when you're at work, is it a quiet private space? Um, do you have enough time to relax while pumping? Stress and anxiety can really affect the way our body responds and may impact the amount that you're getting. Um, have a picture or a video of your baby to look at. Um, bring a blanket or an article of clothing that smells like the baby. I think thinking of your baby or being surrounded by something that smells like them will help stimulate um, the oxytocin, which helps your milk to release and flow. Um, another tip that we often give is to put a blanket over the flanges so you can't see the amount that's coming out. Um, I think sometimes the stress of watching the milk come out can actually um, inhibit the amount that we get. Um, it's important to remember that stronger and longer doesn't always mean more. Um, be sure to adjust your suction so that you're comfortable. Pumping shouldn't hurt. Um, and, and too long of pump stimulation can have an adverse effect. I'll often tell moms to apply a little bit of organic olive oil on the inside of their pump flanges. Um, that will help decrease friction and can sometimes increase the amount that you get. Um, I wish you the best of luck and hope these answers have helped. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. 
the longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So today on The Boob Group, we're discussing breastfeeding beyond two years. Our expert, Andrea J. Blanco, is a private practice international board certified lactation consultant in Miami, Florida with Loving Start Lactation Services. I first met Andrea when she decided to be a guest writer on our blog for the San Diego Breastfeeding Center, and her toddler articles have been some of our most popular articles on my site due to her breastfeeding knowledge and sassy storytelling. So thanks so much for joining us, Andrea, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. Absolutely. So, Andrea, what are some benefits for breastfeeding beyond two years, both health-wise and emotionally? Breastfeeding is dose-dependent. Generally speaking, the more a child gets and the longer a mother breastfeeds, the better health outcomes occur for the child and mother. Breastfeeding acts as a support system for a child's developing immune system throughout the breastfeeding relationship. It acts as a calming agent for a toddler during some of his most difficult moments. And full-term breastfeeding further reduces the mother's risk of developing breast, ovarian, and uterine cancers, as well as reducing the risk of osteoporosis later in life. All right. And what does breastfeeding a toddler two years and older look like? I mean, are we talking feeding every three hours, sleeping through the night, or variations on a theme? Uh, Definitely variations on a theme. So many factors come into play at that age, such as the toddler's individual temperament, the mother's temperament, uh, any developmental changes the toddler may be going through, changes within the family, such as a new sibling or a parent returning to work. I really think that at this age, it, it could be anything goes. Okay, so I'd love to open this up to our panelists in the studio. Ladies, what does breastfeeding look like for you with your over two-year-old? And do your kids breastfeed day and night or all different ways depending on the day? Uh, Stephanie, we'll start with you. Um, after work, because we've been separated for quite a few hours during the day, it's definitely kind of like attached at the, at the you-know-what for the rest of the day. But <laughs> I, there's obviously limits that has to be put on it because I have to stand up and get stuff done. Um, otherwise, he won't eat actual food. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. And then the nighttime, usually, like, I, I do try to not have him on all night, although he, he would definitely happily nurse all night long. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Linnell? Um, we stopped nursing at night at about 18 months. She just started sleeping through the night, uh, sleeping in her own bed, sleeping in our bed, and the flip-flopping back and forth wasn't really breastfeeding friendly for us. Um, but during the day, because I do work all night, when I get home, she wants some. Um, and after that, it's usually only a couple times in the afternoon now. Okay, cool. So I love the different variations. This is fantastic. Melissa, how about you? Are You're not still nursing your three-and-a-half-year-old? No, or, we, but we, we recently weaned. In fact, I think Andrea was the guest when I, we may oh, have yeah. done a talk on that. So it was really awesome. Her expertise was wonderful. Um, but both of my boys that uh, nursed until a little over three had, you know, different different things so um, both nurse not every three hours but it seemed like when they were going through let's say two year molars they nursed a lot and a lot through the night and we we do bed share so um, for me it was really easy it was it was such a convenience and I really liked it okay very cool Um, Andrea what are some of your favorite reasons for breastfeeding beyond two years 
Well, I'm going to give you my personal reasons. Um, when I, it was definitely not what I set out to do when I started my breastfeeding journey. I have two boys, both of which nursed past two years, and each one with very different personalities, which influenced the reasons, I think, why they continued to breastfeed. Um, with my first, uh, my favorite reason for breastfeeding beyond two years was the, was the smooth transition it provided when his baby brother was born. I was also much better prepared for full-term breastfeeding with my second, and as it turns out, having breastfeeding to fall back on when he was having a rough moment was the best trick that I had in my parenting hat. Um, looking back on the experience, I'm very grateful for having had the opportunity to breastfeed both of my children past two years and for letting my instincts override those difficult societal pressures, which I think are very real. Yeah. Ladies, what are some of your favorite reasons for breastfeeding beyond two years? Melissa, we'll start with you. I would agree with Andrea. It was a wonderful way to transition. Um, my, my second son was born when my first son was 17 months, so that was really nurturing. Um, anytime something would happen, maybe a big developmental leap, um, some falling down, just times where they needed some more nurturing beyond a hug it was really something i could use to soothe and and for my my second born as my third came along it was a really nice transition when we weaned and talked about the new baby coming so you know like andrea said i had two really different sons and now a third so i anticipate even a, a, a different uh, relationship but i love that it can do so many things yeah absolutely <laughs> well now how about you um for us it was really used as a coping mechanism with uh falls, bumps, bruises, which she does a lot. She's <laughs> an explorer. Um, <laughs> so we do that quite a bit. Also, I had heard that it helps lower the risk of asthma. My husband has asthma. Uh, so it's allergy-induced asthma, and it also runs in his family. So I was hoping that breastfeeding long-term would help diminish her chances of having it, which she doesn't have it yet. So. That's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. All right. How about you, Stephanie? Well, I didn't know that, and I have asthma, and so now I'm glad that I'm still breastfeeding, <laughs> because he seems to be doing all right so far. Um, it's it's kind of similar to what Linnell was saying. Our kids are very similar when, in, in many ways, and uh, he it's a comfort thing. If he's upset, he, there's no meltdowns. It's just right right there, comfort, mama holds you, and that's it. Awesome. Very cool. I really loved the, the term coping mechanism. I think that was perfect. Absolutely. Um and then the hard part is the flip side. You know, Andre, what do you think are some of the most common challenges for moms breastfeeding a two-year-old and older? And, and you had mentioned also, you know, even the societal component of it. And then what, what other challenges do you see out there, too? I mean, I think really that probably feeling like they're doing something taboo, the lack of support that they're receiving or that they're not receiving um, from not only their doctors in most cases, but also from their friends and family. It's very hard to do something you feel and know is right and important when society is constantly telling you it isn't. Um, breastfeeding gets blamed for a lot of things. Uh, I remember going to the dentist and even though my child didn't have caries, you know, being uh, vilified because I was still nursing at night and, you know, things like that. It, it's difficult to, to fly in the face of, of what's uh, culturally normal. Yeah. And not always correct, <laughs> as right. you were mentioning with right. the dental caries. Ladies, how about you guys? Have you, have you had challenges that have kind of, you know, started with after your child was about two years old that, um, that had to go or challenges that went along with breastfeeding? Linnell? Yeah, um, just the way family sees you, family who never breastfed in the first place or only did so until about six months. Um, 
even beyond one year, they thought I was insane or thought that she was too attached to me. Um, and also at the doctor, there was a lot of times where even still, I hide that we still breastfeed. Um, we just don't talk about it. Her doctor doesn't ask. My obstetrician finally asked me when did you stop, and I told her I didn't. And um, I just feel like we were met with a lot of open jaws. I mean, there's a lot of people who just don't understand, you know, why we still do it. Yeah. How about you, Stephanie? Any challenges? No, I feel pretty lucky. I guess uh, the circle of people that I've surrounded myself with at this point, they all know, I mean, they're, and they all understand support. Even if they don't do it, they support it. So it's all there. Um, my family's great. You know, my mom is the one that watches him, and she made sure that, you know, she only gave him pumped milk when I was at work, and they're all fine watching me breastfeed him before I leave for work and when I pick him up, and it's not a problem. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Melissa? Did you have any challenges with your boys? I had cha- I mean, you know, the, the social issue that we've discussed here I think has always kind of been an issue where I might get some stares I never really had any challenges where someone said something to me I think I once my mom may have said so how long are you going to nurse Mm -hmm. you know and then I think I always I treated it as an opportunity to educate that's just how I decided to take on breastfeeding everything I learned about breastfeeding and like Andrea I didn't set out to breastfeed beyond three years and the more I learned the more I shared so it when someone would come to me with something that they felt it was weird or uncomfortable I just took it as an opportunity to really share what I had learned and why I was doing it and I maybe my confidence or maybe I just didn't meet the person that decided to challenge me but so far so good that's awesome um and Andrea one of the questions that kept coming up um on our Facebook page was you know when a child is over two how much breast milk do they actually need um beyond their second birthday and does it vary and how do solids and other milk substitutes impact this number so there's very little exact data um, based on knowledge of how normal breastfeeding works. The milk available does vary depending on how frequently the child is breastfeeding and how much other foods and liquids the child is taking in. Generally speaking, the pattern that the child establishes is gradual and milk supply adjusts. So there is milk for the child when you breastfeed, but it's not known what amount is necessary for for all children. Um, because of all the other variables. I like to think that when it comes to breastfeeding at this age, mothers and their children, you know, work pretty perfectly together. So whatever amount the, the child is getting is the right amount. That's such a good point. The, there's so many other variables that it really does make it impossible to kind of nail down how much a baby actually needs. So, um, and I've never been able to find data on that either. So I'm glad you mentioned that. There really is nothing out there. <laughs> um, all right. Well, when we come back, we will continue our discussion about breastfeeding beyond two years. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the show. We are talking with Andrea J. Blanco about breastfeeding beyond two years. Um, Andrea, how can a mom keep up her milk supply if she no longer wants to pump while at work if her child is over two years? What kind of tips can you offer? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the changes in breastfeeding patterns in this age group tend to be gradual. When she makes a decision to stop pumping, which oftentimes is a, is a bit earlier than two years, it should you know, be a gradual weaning off the pump if possible, and then her body adjusts to those times that the child is breastfeeding. That adjustment continues for the life of the breastfeeding relationship, so she really shouldn't worry too much about it. Her body will adjust, and, and so will the child. Okay. And like Linnell had mentioned, going to the pediatricians, um, sometimes met with um, a drop jaw when you mentioned that you're still breastfeeding. And so what tips can you offer when a, when a child's pediatrician is recommending that mom wean at two years or even 
earlier than that um, because they need to switch to cow dairy. Yeah. Well, at this age, most pediatricians are not really asking whether the child is, is still breastfeeding, although I wish they would, you know, like one of your panelists mentioned. Uh, if a mom happens to have one that does and then discourages her by asking her to switch to cow's milk, asking why cow's milk in particular is necessary is a starting point. Uh, usually the pediatrician is recommending cow's milk because of concerns over calcium intake and the fat necessary for brain development. But there are many other sources of calcium suitable for a two-year-old. And breast milk is rich in omega-3s, which is the right kind of fat and in the right amount needed for the brain development. Besides, unless the family or child is dairy-free, the child may and usually does eat other dairy sources such as yogurt and cheese, which a mom can also point out to her pediatrician. Okay. All right. And then what about the discerning eye from, a, you know, others? So what tips do you have when others continue to ask how much longer a mom plans to breastfeed? So I love the panelist that said that she takes time out to educate, um, but not everybody has the, the personality to be able to to pull that off. So my recommendation is to definitely infuse your own personality in these questions, as well as that of the person who's asking uh, into answering that loaded question. And most importantly, don't take it personal. Oftentimes, this question is born from ignorance, and it isn't worth getting upset about. Sometimes it's easier to deflect by saying, oh, I'm not sure, and then change the subject. Uh, Sometimes it's easier to deflect by saying, oh, maybe when he's off to college. But I think (laughs) the key is deflection. Um, if it's a, really a conversation that the mom wants to have, then she should know that most health organizations, such as the Aca- American Academy of Pediatrics, the World Health Organization, and the American Academy of Family Physicians, do not put an upward age limit on breastfeeding and generally only set a minimum standard. Oh, okay. Um, so ladies, did you have friends or family members asking these types of questions? I know you had mentioned that Melissa, that you use this as an opportunity to educate. So what what type of response would you have? Mostly surprise, I think, because um, the breastfeeding norm, if, if moms choose to breastfeed, perhaps that they had only seen up to six months. Um, and I think by being a part of breastfeeding groups in particular, I got a lot of more information from other breastfeeding moms, which really helped me get more confident when I did have those questions where I didn't feel defensive. And that's why I was able to turn it into an opportunity. And I think most of the time people's response was, oh, really? Wow. And then if I also, the whole cow dairy part, when I would talk about human milk versus cow milk, it it was almost like they had never even thought about it before. Yeah. So So kind of pointing out that cow dairy is meant for cows and human milk meant for humans. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I, Andrea, the thing you had mentioned as well, getting the calcium, I think a lot of times the pediatricians also think about that the cow dairy is fortified. So vitamin A and vitamin D and where we can get those as well through our food. Well, which is great, but it's a very poor uh, source because it is fortified. It's not as bioavailable. So Exactly. Sometimes we have to educate our own doctors. <laughs> Absolutely. Linnell, how about you? Did you have anyone questioning about why you were still nursing? You, I, Other than your practitioners, but maybe friends and family as well. And what was your response? Definitely. I think at about a year, my mom started asking me, when, when is this going to stop? It's too much. You have a big kid sitting on your lap, pulling at your shirt, asking for it you know, asking for Melkies, asking, she calls it her titi, asking for her titi. I mean, mm-hmm. it gets too much. She, I mean, her impression was if they're able to ask for it, mm-hmm. they're too old. But I mean, again, with my mom, it's a little different. I'm able to talk to her about it, educate her as much as I can. Um, but again, it's not as easy as 
you know, talking to your friends about it. Like, we can talk about it. Um, but, yeah, for, for the most part, my friends are very much accepting of it, mostly because of the community that we are in. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it sounds like that was kind of your thought as well, Stephanie, that you really haven't had any challenges. So I have had family ask, but it, they mostly were saying it in more of a observation, like, oh, he's not ready. Like, you can tell because of how attached he is to it. And, and like, it's not a negative thing when they're saying it. They just recognize that, like, it's just because we've done very much. Like, he tells us when he's ready for things, and he's just not ready for this. That's awesome. That's okay. And your parents, did you say that you, you, was that your response, or is that something that they actually observed? No, my sister and ready? my mom were the two that said that on separate occasions. Ready. Like, like oh, you can cool. see that he's just not ready. That's awesome. So, so that's actually really supportive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> Yeah, cool. MJ, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that I think because of this, the community that we have, like when you are full-term breastfeeding like this, we've had so many moms say, you know, that they've had problems at like six weeks and three months and six months. And so it's just like, it's, we're like ready, you know, like go ahead and ask us. I mean, you know, we're, we're pretty prepared and we're not like shut down by the, the question. And especially just, you know, if we nurse in public, I mean, you, you just, you, you kind of just know you know the things to say too so but when it comes to family I mean it's just it can kind of take you back you know these are the people that you want to support you in everything and so um, I think educating is so awesome and just you know it, I, I think the approach of just like well, I don't know you know whenever and just changing the subject is is great too because then then maybe it won't be such a big deal to them. Awesome. Andrea, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say that I've found it very interesting that while I, I feel like, I see this in my clients, that, that while like most of the mothers or the grandmothers put pressure on, on the mom and, to end the nursing relationship, they then turn around in the same sentence and and are so congratulatory. Oh, you know, look at my my grandson. He's so chunky and, and he's so smart. And can you believe he's still breastfeeding? And it's really said in a positive manner. So I, it's just funny because I think it's important to realize that family dynamics are always difficult, no matter which subject is on the table. So. Absolutely. Um, Andrea, Crystal had posted on our Facebook page, um, how do I keep up my supply? I have a 10-month-old and want to breastfeed until three to four years if possible. I've been introducing solids and I feel like my supply has dropped a bit already. Uh, Crystal, thanks so much for taking the time out to post this important question. Um, so many things can impact a mom's supply at this age, and starting solids is one of them, but definitely not the only one. A lot of the advice on starting solids in the first year is very aggressive and can rapidly tank a mother's supply on its own. In the first year of life, solids should still be secondary to breastfeeding. So depending on how much solids you've begun to introduce, maybe taking a more modest approach at the frequency and amount at each feed of solids would help you reach your goal, ensuring, of course, that your baby is growing well throughout the entire process. However, it might also be a normal adjustment to a new stage in your breastfeeding relationship, and that's important to note as well. Um, in addition to offering the breast first before solids, you can try to keep a food journal for a few days, noting each time baby breastfeeds, eats solids, or takes in any other form of liquid so that you can have a clearer picture of what's really going on and where, if at all, you're able to make some small changes. Okay, terrific. Um, I remember seeing on one of our Facebook groups that there was a conversation where a mom's supply had started dropping and her 
her, the recommendation was multiple solids multiple times a day. And so when we talked about how well, actually solids are secondary to breastfeeding, to breast milk, she was so astounded that her practitioners had never shared that with her. And so as she started scaling back, she started feeling more confident. So it's a really good point about taking a look and maybe making a more modest approach with the solids. Um, Andrea, what tips do you have for when a two-year-old wants to nurse all day and mom doesn't necessarily want to do that? (laughs) And what about all night long as well? So I think it's very important to remember that this is a mutual relationship and that if either party is feeling overwhelmed, then changes should be made with respect to each, uh, which respect each party. A lot of the weaning calls I get at this age have to do with this exactly. And it isn't so much that mom wants to wean completely, but she's frustrated with the way that the child is breastfeeding. Um, assuming there isn't something else going on, such as a sickness or a huge change in the family that may explain a sudden onset of breastfeeding more than usual, try to target the behaviors that encourage constant breastfeeding and, and modify them. This is where the do not sit down rule comes into play. We say it jokingly, but sometimes it is just a pattern that mother and child have fallen into, and breaking up the, the routine will refocus the energy. Uh, as far as nighttime, you know, at this age, uh, it is easier to night wean than at any age prior, but it does take effort, you know, some creativity and patience to make it a smooth transition. I think that if we think that we're going to get better results by continuing to do the same thing, then that just doesn't apply to breastfeeding, but it's not really going to work. So we really got to figure out what we want and then work towards that goal, even if it means, you know, night weaning a two-year-old, which I personally don't have a problem with because I think they can handle it developmentally. Okay. All right. And ladies, have you dealt with either of these situations where your baby thought that you were a 24-hour drive through um, And if you did, how did you handle it? Um, Linnell, how about you? Um yeah, at about 18 months when we night weaned during the day, she wanted to pick up nursing sessions. Um, but I was working all day and then I was working all night um, and it got really tough. And it even got to the point where I was almost feeling resentful for nursing uh, so much. And it got to the point where I was uncomfortable. Um, and again, we had to revisit our nursing relationship and what worked best for us. And for her, if she could, she'd want to stay on me all day. Um, but it just it didn't work for me. So it got to the point where we were dwindling down to two a day and that's what I was comfortable with. And I'd let her go as long as she wanted for each of those sessions and go back and forth on her sides. Um, But yeah, that we really ended up dropping a lot of our nursing sessions because I was feeling so uncomfortable. But you were able to maintain a few. Oh, which yes. is awesome. <laughs> and I love how you also phrase like when she did have that time, that mm-hmm. was her time. Like it was. she determined how long it was. So mm-hmm. that was a really respectful approach. <laughs> That's oh. awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, how about you? Have you felt f- uncomfortable or frustrated with any of these types yeah, of situations? Yeah, you know, especially at like 6 a.m. I'm not ready to wake up yet. Yeah. So that's one time where I'll just be like, no, not happening right now. Turn back over and go to sleep. Yeah. Um, we haven't formally night weaned and I haven't formally dwindled down anything. I'm, I'm very bad at schedules for myself. So this is just another place that I'm not yeah. good at it. Um, but it's working for you. Yeah, kind of. We'll just be like, I can't do it right now. And, you know, he's old enough that he can go play with something else. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so that's just how we handle it. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Um, how about you, Melissa? So for me, I I love hearing about moms that work because I feel like I really want to honor the different types of relationships 
that they have with breastfeeding. Whereas because I'm a stay-at-home mom and because most Mm -hmm. of the work I do, I can take my babies with me, my relationship with breastfeeding really was during uh, the times that it felt really overwhelming was typically through teething, if they were sick, or big developmental leaps. So I kind of would just wait and hang out. And just about the time I think I was ready to do something or change something within the relationship, the nursing changed. So, so far, outside of night weaning, it really didn't ever get too bad. Okay. Well, thank you so much, ladies. I have to add, I love the negotiation aspect (laughs) because when they're older and can start, you know, speaking sentences and just, and and the toddler distraction too, you know, just like, okay, we're going to do it after this and just being, I just, you know, first time mom, I never really knew how it was going to go. So um, just thinking that like, you know, does he nurse every three hours? And you know, are we going to sit down and do it? This it doesn't it doesn't have to be like that. And just being able to have that like, negotiation, once I started doing it, I was like, Oh, okay, this is cool. You know, like I can actually chop up these vegetables, and then I'll go nurse him or, you know, whatever I'm doing and, and be able to um, have him be happy because he knows he's being heard and that yes, I'm going to do this for you in just a moment, but then I get to do what I need to do. And, and negotiation has, has become key to um, continuing the nursing relationship. So well, it's, it makes it mutually beneficial for both people. Mm -hmm. So and mutually respectful. Yeah. So yeah, continues that awesome relationship. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Andrea and our amazing panelists for sharing this valuable information about breastfeeding beyond two years. Thanks, Andrea. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me back. I really love these podcasts. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as Andrea will discuss her tips for answering the question, is it weird that your child can ask to breastfeed? So for more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. Hi, Boob Group. This is Jonna Rose Feinberg, editor of breastfeedingtwins.org. I'm a mom of twins and a board-certified lactation consultant in the Seattle area. Today, we are going to talk about nutrition while breastfeeding. While you were pregnant, you probably paid attention to what you ate, maybe ensuring that you didn't go too long between meals or that you were getting enough protein in your diet. Once the babies are born, it's easy to lose track of your own nutrition as you focus on feeding your new babies. But it's still important for you to eat well, especially if you're breastfeeding. Just like when you were pregnant, you're eating for three. Here are some tips. Try to eat regularly every few hours. Breastfeeding burns a ton of calories and you need to stay well fed to keep up your energy. Stock your fridge with grab-and-go snacks you can eat one-handed. This can be as simple as preparing a stack of sandwiches to eat throughout the day or making some snack boxes with rolled deli meat, cheese, and sliced apples. If your partner or mom has time, this is something they can do to help you even if they won't be around during the day when you need to eat. For more protein-rich options, consider preparing a whole batch of hard-boiled eggs or making a smoothie with fruit and yogurt. If you or your babies don't tolerate dairy well, you can also add a non-dairy protein powder to a smoothie for an extra boost. Keep some healthy granola bars near your regular nursing spots for a quick snack. You may even want to keep some food near the bed for middle-of-the-night nursing sessions, though you may want to pick something that's less crumbly for eating in bed. It's also important to stay hydrated. Keep a big bottle of water near your nursing station so you can sip when you're thirsty. If you're supporting your milk supply with an herbal tea, you can brew a large batch and drink it over ice throughout the day. 
Making enough milk for two or more babies takes a lot of extra calories. Some recommendations suggest an extra 500 calories and 10 grams of protein per baby. It's definitely not the time to start a diet. For more tips and personal breastfeeding stories, please visit breastfeedingtwins.org and keep listening to The Boob Group for more twin tips. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, Parent Savers for moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and Twin Talks, our show for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health, or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.